Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to our Corks and Conversation 2 episode with M.E. Browning. This will be, I think, the fourth episode that we featured either Mickey or one of her books. <laughs> so I think that's a record. I'm I not sure. So. It might be a record. I think so. Regardless, it's pretty great. And we're really excited to talk to her again this season. Before we get started, let me have the pleasure of reminding our listeners about Mickey's background. It's pretty great. M.E. Browning served 22 years in law enforcement, and we thank her for her service. She retired as a captain before turning to a life of crime fiction. (laughs) Um, She served as a hostage negotiator, trained as a SWAT administrator. And by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you should see how lovely and sweet she looks. When I say this, you're probably picturing (laughs) somebody else. Um, She supervised the administrative division. She coordinated the Citizens Police Academy, where she did meet a very quiet and lovely student by the name of Sue Grafton. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that is cool. Writing as Mickey Browning, she penned the Agatha-nominated and award-winning Mayor Cavallo Mysteries. And Christy's getting one of those. Yes, there's Beach. Holding it up. Love that. Um, and her short stories and nonfiction have appeared in anthologies and magazines and textbooks. Um, as M.E. Browning, she currently writes the Joe Wyatt Mysteries. And I'm holding up last year's, which is called Shadow Ridge. I love the covers of her books. They're so beautiful. Um, Shadow Ridge was the first in the series, and it was awarded um, the Colorado Book Award for Mystery and the Silver Medal in popular, popular Fiction category of the Florida Book Awards. Her second in the series is called Mercy Creek, and it just launched October 12th. So we're just fresh off of her book birthday. I will say I do want to share some pretty great reviews that Mercy Creek is getting. Kirkus Reviews called it a heartfelt procedural. Publishers Weekly said readers will feel like they're getting a glimpse into the real world of police work, as they should. And Drew's Book Musings called it an intensifying and grippingly enticing read. As you can tell, the pressure amps up and it's a, it is um, a fantastic book. So um, we want to congratulate Mickey on her release and welcome Mickey to the podcast. Thank you so very, very much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> And my dog wanted to welcome you as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, we're really, really happy to be you're here. Thank you so much. And I think first things first, uh, we should talk about which wine we're drinking today. Oh, well. Do you have your wine here? I do. Um, Mickey picked this wine. It comes in a couple of different things. It's called Thousand Stories. Yes, and it's... Okay, here the little uh, blurb on it. On the second half of the 19th century, explorers flocked to the America West in search of freedom and fortune, crafted their stories in mind. Prospectors Proof Cabernet Sauvignon celebrates the qualities of adventure and optimism. This rich, full-flavored Cabernet Sauvignon 
expresses a pioneering spirit along with signature bourbon barrel notes of charred vanilla and dried herbs. That's a thousand stories in itself. <laughs> I think I it's admit, really good though. I, yeah. I, I like the title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do too. Cheers. Cheers to you. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Yeah, that is good, Mickey. Mm -hmm. I'm just happy we're drinking a Cabernet again. That's our favorite kind of a yeah. dark red. So good. And it's perfect for the weather here because it's very chilly. I don't know what it's like there. Not chilly. Very hot. <laughs> Mickey, you're in Florida too, right? I am, yes. Yeah, yeah, so it's a little, it's, but it's beautiful out right now where I am. It's not storming, but. Funny, on the walk today that I took with my husband, I said, yeah, it's, it's really comfortable. He goes, it's 79. And it's like, <laughs> it, That is for <laughs> us, honestly, whenever it gets into with the seven. So like I'm going to visit Kathy soon and mm -hmm. I can tell you right now that she's telling me 60s are the high and I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. freezing. It's actually gone down a little bit. It's We're having a, a big change today. It's a little drier up there, I think. So it feels different. I think yeah. 60s down here feel really, really moistly chilly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not humid, but um, I'm afraid all of the leaves are going to fly off today because we're having like 30 mile hour winds. I know. So that happens anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so excited to talk with Mickey about her second in the series, yes. Mercy Creek. So it's been a year since we've talked to you almost exactly, actually, yes. I think. And I'm so curious to know what the life of um, the, the second in the series, what it's been like for this last year since... Shadow Ridge was published and you were, I assume, finishing on, working on um, Mercy Creek. What was it like this last year for you, especially in the pandemic? It was tough. Uh, if I hadn't had a deadline, I'm not sure that I wouldn't still be writing it. Um, I mean, it's just, I had a good portion of it done by the time the, the first book, Shadow Ridge, came out. And so I was well into it. But I didn't have a lot of creative energy during the pandemic at first. And, you know, it, you get so overwhelmed. And I know that there were some people who thought, oh, I've got, I'm home. I've got all this time. I'm going to really buckle down. And this will be the time that I write the great American novel. <laughs> I didn't have that. It was really tough for a while. And I have a great critique partner and, and we seem to have bad days opposite each other, which was really <laughs> really good but um it it came down to the fact that i saw an impending deadline and that was what made me realize that you know i don't have a choice i'm a professional author now i've got a deadline if i don't hit it i'm really doing a disservice not only to my own reputation but to all of the other people who have already calendared this they put it in a catalog they're they're ready to go and i don't want to be the weak link so um buckle down and actually working under pressure like that. Um, I'm really happy with the ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not going to give it away. But... No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't anticipate that ending while you were writing. Um, I knew some of how it was going to unravel, but no, there's, there's a major twist at the end that uh, I really didn't know was going to happen until a little bit before I got to that point. And it wow. just seemed, it's like, I've got to do this. 
you know, it's in, in my mind, because I knew all of the pieces in play, I knew it needed to be done. Whereas other people said, wow, I did not see that coming. So it's like, great, because it didn't just come out of thin air. I know right. everybody's backstory. So, you know, it mm-hmm. just, it, it was the way it had to end. So it, you know, the, the saying for endings is that it needs to be not surprising, but also really satisfying. And I think it certainly met those. Like it wasn't a shock to you when you're writing it, but the reader, man, it, you don't see it coming, which makes it so great. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, w- I know. We'll have to wait until we're off camera to be able to. <laughs> we need an after show. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've all read the book and we do not want to spoil it for anybody. We yes. would never do that. But yeah. um, but that yeah. yeah, so we're gonna have to pick your brain a little bit later. Um, you had mentioned about your critique partner. Can you tell us about that, how that works and what that's oh, like? Serendipity came into play. I was working in Durango as a police captain at the time, and I went to like a goal setting seminar. It was just a luncheon. And I sat at the same table next to a woman and we started talking and I said, you know, I've been looking for a a writing group to join here. And she looks at me and she like sits back. She goes, I just put an ad in the local newspaper today that I'm starting a writing group. And so about seven people showed up Um, We're the last two standing. We're the only two who have um, been published. Her name is Mandy Mikulinczyk. And she writes women's fiction, whereas, you know, I'm certainly in the in the mystery category. And it is a really good partnership because we catch different things. You know, she's always telling me, you know, if she doesn't understand something, particularly when I was writing about scuba divers, because what's second nature to me isn't to everybody else and she doesn't dive. So it was perfect. And, you know, I'm always pushing her to go deeper and she's just, she's amazing. She writes so lyrically. And so we've been critique partners for 11 years now, I think. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we're in different States now, but you know, the beauty of the internet is that pages fly across, you know, the States. Oh yeah. It's, it's just, She's she's amazing and and I feel so blessed to have her you know as a writing partner. Oh, so that's during, wonderful. So during the pandemic, between your deadline, which I you know like you said, a professional writer meets their deadlines, then you also do your critique partner. So you had two things in your in your little pocket in the pandemic. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know she kept me honest too. Um, there's <laughs> <laughs> you you can't skimp with her, and thank goodness because you know there there are times where you know you think, okay, this might be good enough. We'll see if she catches it. And it's like, and it's, it's not, you know, if, if you think, well, we'll see if anybody picks up on it. That's, that's not the way to do it. And, you know, and so we keep each other honest and it, it, it worked out really well. I'm, I'm really happy with this. It was just, it was just reviewed in the um, Sun Sentinel and it'll go out on the wires um, by by Aline Cogdale, who is just a renowned mystery critic and um, it got a really good review. So I must oh, have done awesome. I must have done something right. Yes. Yes, you did. It is it's, a good book. Yeah. It is a good book. It's a good day. Yeah. And um and we're always happy to see more of Joe, Joe Wyatt. I mean, she's mm-hmm. awesome. But in this case, the story deals with a missing child, which mm. for one is a hard topic. 
And then on top of that, Joe has her history with the parents that goes back to her school days. So in this book, on your level, we see, you know, the police procedure stuff because of your background in, in law enforcement. I'm wondering, have you ever had a case of either a missing child or where you've had to investigate people you knew? If you can tell us. <laughs> yeah, well, there are no right. names, of course, but children go missing all the time. And oftentimes it's a mistake uh, in that you have a young child and you might think that they've wandered away, but they're asleep. I actually found a child one time. The bed was really messy and all of the covers were just mounded and the child was underneath the covers, but the parent was frantic. I mean, these, these are heart wrenching cases when you get a missing child or the book opens at the um, Echo Valley County Fair. And children are constantly separated from their parents. And it's a fraught time for them because they don't know if somebody has walked away with their child. Uh, and we find them, you know, at the petting right. zoo or something <laughs> like that. I've had those panics so, as a mother. <laughs> right. Heck, I remember I was, I was left by my mom one time, actually, by accident, you know, and I was, it was, Christmas time and they the place had a reindeer um you know exhibit uh, you know I don't know what else to call it it was in front of a store and um then they loaded up the car and uh didn't do oh, any no. count of the kids and <laughs> you know, pulled out and came back but that's a missing child if it's that's like home alone the- <laughs> I know right <laughs> It, you know, it is, you know, do the head count. <laughs> How many siblings do you have? <laughs> um, just two. It wasn't, a, you know, it was a <laughs> but you. <laughs> hey, we've all been it there. Happens. We've all been busy yeah. parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody yeah. has been there. But so fortunately, you know, and missing children, runaways are considered missing children as well. And so some of these are voluntary missings. But it doesn't matter to the mm-hmm. parent, you know, a parent is missing their child. And so the emotions are high. Uh, oftentimes they're not in a, in a good enough place to think things through logically. And so their search may be very haphazard, you know, duck in a room. They're not there. And, you know, they're not looking under right. beds. They're not like, it's, it's amazing what a young child can, can get into and then, fall asleep or, or something like that. And, and it happens, but um, they are fraught. So what made you um, choose this topic for this one? You know, it was, I finished up my career in, in Durango, which is a, a smaller town than, you know, Santa Barbara, California, and, and it's a little bit more isolated. And, and I actually, to get to the setting of Echo Valley, I like to joke that um, if you erase 50 years, have the population and squint, you've got <laughs> Echo Valley. And, and I really wanted to explore the, um, the small town dynamics of the personalities. Mm. Everybody knows everybody else. Everybody knows where the bodies are buried, but everybody wants to get, thinks you're going to let them get away mm. with murder. And so I wanted to explore something that happened when Joe was in school and then see what the repercussions would be all these years later. 
the the most fraught way I could think about that, and I keep coming back to that word, the most emotionally conflicted subject matter that I could think of was a missing child. And if you have the parents who are no longer together and each have an agenda, suddenly you've got all of these possibilities that that open up. And in small towns, everybody has their secrets. It presented so many different opportunities for me to delve into Joe's backstory as well through the eyes of other people so that it wasn't just any sort of an info dump. People reacted to her based on what they had learned over the Mm -hmm. years. And so you have these very different mindsets and opinions of my protagonist. And so it it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun to read. (laughs) It was. Yeah, it was. Okay, so we're going to take a little break, take a little sip of our wine. And it's time for the question in a bottle, which is a question Christy's going to pull out of her carafe there. Dang it, I forgot about this. (laughs) I was going to say, you don't remember this? (laughs) Okay, so uh, it says an app mysteriously appears on your phone that does something amazing. What does it do? It's all the commas in the right place. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, you know, you could, how about just all punctuation? Just somehow knows it. I, I can I can do okay with most of the other stuff. I, I know I'm done with revision when it's a matter of taking out a comma that I just put back in because I just had taken it out. <laughs> Commas are my nemesis. That question tells you a lot about how, how you answer that question tells you a lot about what's on that person's plate right now. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, so we've already talked about how writing had changed, you know, your productivity, which I totally agree. Like if I had a deadline, I feel like I'd gotten more done, but I didn't. So I didn't get a lot done. Um, But what were some of the habits or tricks that you had to use in order to get things done? I had to stop doom scrolling. Oh, I am. I really became a news mm-hmm. hound and, um, and it doesn't take very many news stories, particularly early in the, in the pandemic to really, um, your shoulders start to come down and, and you start to slouch and, you know, mm-hmm. suddenly all the weight of what is going on, all the things we don't understand right. yet, all the things that we don't know how to cope with yet. Um, and, and, and the election that I mean, I, and the, it oh, seems like forever ago, yeah. it's, it wasn't that long ago and the pandemic has been going forever, but <laughs> yeah. And no matter which side you're on the divisiveness yep. that I saw, I finally just had to just stop. Mm-hmm. I like to be informed. I like being on top of the news, but um, you know, at a certain point, it was just counterproductive. And so once I stopped doing that, I was able to get into it again and, and really focus on the words and the creativity. And then once you start to redevelop that habit, one day is hard, two days might be even harder to get back in. But once you start, you know, three and four days, suddenly you're back in that zone. You've got the story knocking around in your head. So when you're in that zone, are you like Joe Wyatt who <laughs> can work 24 hours a day and just put it out or 
Now that I've retired, I really like my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you were a detective, did you actually do that? Like work all night? I mean, there There, wasn't any like unions telling you you have to go home and sleep or something. (laughs) You know, law enforcement, there's a lot of unions. Um, Not every place has unions, but you know, when you're in the emergency services, if a major call comes in, it's yours. Now, the the staff and everything will try at a certain point to start calling in the next shift and, and relieve you and things like that. But if it's a major event that's happening in your jurisdiction, you might find yourself on 12 hour shifts and everybody's working. Um, you know, if it's something that requires detectives to come out of the detective bureau and put on their uniform, you know, they'll do that and, and everybody's doing it, you know, and, and wildfires, natural disasters, things like that, um, you know, come to mind on that. But, you know, detectives are often, they're there for a long time. If you have a homicide or something like that, where all of the detectives are on deck or the majority of them, and again, we're talking a small jurisdiction here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's uh, some total of three detectives two Mm -hmm. and a supervisor so it's kind of all hands on deck yeah you're gonna pull some hours yeah and you catch up or a hostage negotiation um i think the the longest that i worked straight was 26 hours and then collapsed for a while and then was back pretty quick wow Wow. but like you say it's necessary there's no checking out at that point there's there's no checking out look at the doctors right now Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe not right now, but you know, no, they yeah, they are right now in Minneapolis. So, and- emergency <laughs> services, you know, sometimes you're you're the one on deck. Yep. So how um, now that you're, as you say, retired from from law enforcement, and 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 you do have the somewhat more luxurious of a situation where you can dictate your hours a little bit. What what is a day like for you? I like to get up, have something to eat. Otherwise, I get really cranky, and. Um, <laughs> And then hit the office. I'm, I'm fortunate enough where I have an office. I'm in it right now. I like to create right off the bat before I start getting immersed in all of the other stuff that goes along with being an author. And um, I'll work for a bit. And then typically, probably around 10 or so, go for a walk, shake it all out again, and then um, either come back to the story because Oftentimes I'll be working on a plot point on the walk and, and sometimes I'll bounce it off of my husband um, who's also retired. So, so we do that together. We walk together most of the time and sometimes just saying it out loud really actually illuminates what the, what the problem with it is or where it should go. And so it works and then I can come back and then, you know, then later in the afternoon I get sucked into the, um, into the social media and um, you know that that can be a rabbit hole right there I I, coming from a law enforcement background uh, I'm not gonna lie I I am not real comfortable with with social media Um, I do like it as a way of communicating with with readers um, and other authors but if um, if I didn't have to uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure that I would be there, particularly when you look at all the privacy issues. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you see, you actually know the other end of it. 
like right yeah most of us can imagine but you actually know the other end of it so that's I never got I never had an account until actually I left the police department I didn't have MySpace I didn't have Facebook you know I didn't have any of that and and I was just fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's probably a lot healthier but Oh yeah. But, you you know, can't convince with, a lot of people of that. <laughs> right. Being an author, it's it's part of the gig. Yep. And, oh, yeah. and and really rightfully so, because mm-hmm. the way things are right now, if you didn't do that, you would probably disappear. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah. it's it's one of the things, you know, somebody wants to, oh, I heard about this good book. Let me see what I can find out about it. And by it, then it branches off into okay who's the author and you know what are or I want to say I like this or I want to say you know you missed the mark on this part or you know because people will do that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I will tell you I want to tell you that today I um we had a few minutes the three of us before while we were getting ready and I went on Amazon and, and looked up Mercy Creek and um, which is for sale now everyone and what was so cool was I actually jotted down what, it, you know, if you, if you like this author, you would also like, and I just want to tell you what they said. Um, Tana French, who I absolutely love. I know John Grisham's newest release and uh, Leanne Moriarty from um, Australia. <laughs> Ooh, so that was Mickey. the three that came up after I went in and looked up Mercy Creek. Wow. Wow. I know. I thought, okay, well, this is pretty fabulous. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of things online can make you feel a little bit daunted, but that was pretty great. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I didn't know about that. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah. That. I just, I wrote it wow. down. I was like, oh do you God, ever look wait. at your reviews or do you just try to avoid them? I, I do. I, I look at them and I, I know that there's authors who don't, but I really appreciate the time that people take, even if they don't like my book, that they've taken the time yeah. to to share their thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's always a couple that you know you look at and you go, "Are you sure you read my book?" <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you know, I do look, and if I keep seeing the same thing over and over again, then that tells me that I might have a problem. And I, I heard one author say one time that if you have all great reviews, you haven't reached enough of an audience that you've, you've got this niche audience, but until you start getting, you know, it was okay. Um, now you've started to reach beyond Interesting. who maybe you wrote it for, and some of them are going to really like it. And some of them are just going to be left eh, meh. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I hadn't thought of it that way either. I, I would, I mean, obviously your audience, if you like police procedurals, you're going to love this ser- your series, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. you know your stuff. And and when I would look at the reviews today, that's, I mean, they were all just like, she knows her stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's so many more layers to it too that appeal. Yeah, to there were a audiences. lot of layers to this book that we yeah. can't talk about. No, well, <laughs> well, I think, you know, a female um, detective in a more rural area definitely appeals to a certain audience as well. And, mm-hmm. and she, your protagonist is tough. And um, in this book, though, you do see some of the oh, the stuff that pulls at her, which is so interesting, especially. Yeah, right. And I, I'm a small I live in a small town. So that small town environment always appeals to me. Like you said, people 
know a lot of your stuff in a small town. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of small town politics too. There is. Mm-hmm. And then when you rise up and you become in a position of authority in a small town and everybody knows your stuff, that's you know, really different than having you know, being more anonymous in like Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like, you know, it's just a really good Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on the top of the <laughs> social scene here in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Obviously. Hello. <laughs> okay, so is there more Joe Wyatt coming? I have turned in the, um, the synopsis for the third. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear on that. In the meantime, I'm also working on a um, domestic suspense. Wow. So, you know, I another series I, or a standalone? Probably a standalone. Wow. Um, I really like stretching and and between books, I always I always read a couple of craft books and this time I picked up a book that I've had on my bookcase for actually several years and I had started to read it. I'm not sure why I held on to it actually, but I'm really glad I did. Um and well what is it? We're dying here. What's the oh, book? Um, wired for story. Oh, I have that. First time I picked it up, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I just, you weren't there either didn't get it or yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> and this time I opened it up and, you know, certainly my craft has come along enough that it was like, Oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> Here we are. Thought. <laughs> and so it just, it made more sense to me. And that's the beauty of always trying to do better. And I love to learn. And so I'm, I'm like I said, I, I always read at least two craft books between books and, and I catch up on my to be read pile mm-hmm. because I love seeing what other authors do. And yeah. sometimes that too really resonates. Alifer Burke, you know, mm-hmm. broke free my um, fear of doing different POVs, multiple points of view. Wow. And I dissect those books, you know, I read it once for pleasure and then just go, there's a lot to learn here. And so if you were to pull out, I think it was the X that did it, you know, I've counted who had how many chapters, how they were Mm -hmm. staggered, you know, the parts that she used. And and so it really helped me with structure. And since then, my pacing has really pulled together. Wow. Wow. So when you mentioned that you, so do you not tend to read while you're in the thick of writing? That's exactly what I was wondering. <laughs> um, I still do, but the volume is really, really low, yeah. comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've heard some people say that they were afraid of drawing from that, but I also read more than mysteries too, even though, you know, like the last one that I read was um, Harlan Coben and I read recently Patrick Lee or Lee Patrick um, runner. And these were fast paced, you know, in your face. The last book I just finished reading was Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And which was a fabulous departure from, you know, what I write, Yeah, but there's lessons in, in every story for sure. Yeah, for sure. And think you're providing that for other people like us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's been so fun. I could just do this all night. Yes. But Christy has another question for you. Yes. 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 (laughs) Um, So, you know, we have a little bit of a different ending question in our Corks and Conversation 2 episodes, but it also appeals to the food aspect of our loves. (laughs) And the question is, if you had to choose 
one of your characters to be your personal chef, who would you choose and why? Oof. It would not be Joe because she's, <laughs> you know, she, she, when she's on a case, you know, she's just going to El Tecolote and getting, you know, tamales and breakfast burritos and things like that. Um, which is a sound strategy. I <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, squint would be if if you like a if you like a steak or you know a burger or something. You know, just really that's her partner. Um, he'd probably be able to do that. Probably Aiden. Mm. Aiden strikes me as you know he knows his way around the kitchen, and you know we we do have a scene where he's uh, he's cooking for her. And I would love Aiden to cook for me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone really mind that. I mean, no, it wouldn't no, be a no. terrible converse, you know, company. No, no. no. I cook for me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm too busy. <laughs> okay, all right, Mickey. So our listeners are definitely want to know more about you, more about your books and your previous series and the current series. How is um, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, the best way is my website, which is emmybrowning.com. And from there, it's got all of the different things that you could possibly want. You know, it talks about each of the books. It's got buy links if you're so inclined. Um, It tells you how to get in touch with me on social media. And it's got a contact. So, you know, I love hearing from people. And um, that's the best way to do it. Awesome. Great. Well, we will include all the links uh, for everyone as well. And and it has been so fun. And I think now. The main thing we have to do is a little cheers. We got cheers. a little bit left in our glass. There you go. Cheers. To your book birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy and Kathy. It's always a pleasure yeah. being here. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.